Hello, everyone. My name is Jemiah, and you are listening to the Say So Podcast. Here on this platform, we will be covering different cases of individuals who have been exonerated alongside of individuals who are still sitting on death row, waiting and hoping to become exonerated. In these cases, let us detect who had the final say so. Hello, podcasters. Welcome back to another episode of Say So. I've been gone, and I know y'all like, girl, I don't care. But still, though, I've been gone for at least two to three weeks. I haven't dropped the episode in two to three weeks. My apologies. Um, The last two weeks, I've been working, traveling. Then last week, I was like, okay, I'm going to finish up on the case and then get ready to record. Sadly, I was sick for at least like 48 hours, like sick. Like I breathed. Every time I was breathing, my body was aching. Um, And then like after that, then I started having stomach problems. So I'm better this week. I'm glad to be back. I finished up on the case. Today's case is really good. I hope it's so good that it makes up for my absence in the past two to three weeks. So y'all, without further ado, let's just get into today's case. So y'all know before each and every episode, I got to give you the disclaimer that these are cited sources from both popular and non-popular articles. I will be covering a few horrific details of victims who were murdered and or injured just to give you guys the heads up. And to mention that the cases I will cover will solely be based on the point of view from the person that has slash have been exonerated and in no shape or form am I disregarding the deceased victims and or their families. So y'all, I was sitting at my desk at my former job and I was uh, getting ready. I was finishing up our last episode of Ford Height 4 plus one. If you haven't already, go and listen to it. As I was finishing that up, I was thinking about the next case that I would do. And I was interested in um, covering the individuals who are um, already on death row and have already been given their execution date. And so I wanted to cover them because there are still like cases that are, um, well, not cases, but there are still evidence that is still being unfolded and judges and uh, state petitioners, like nobody is letting up on these people, even though evidence has been unfolded that this is not your guy or not your woman or not the person you think it is that killed this person that y'all so heartedly want justice for. And so on today's case, that is what I'm tackling. So I just want to give y'all a heads up that this person has not been exonerated or executed today. So just know this is still an ongoing investigative uh, situation. Our case sources will be coming from actionnetwork.org, drive.google.com, newsweek.com and kylie's true crime.squarespace.com a father's betrayal the word father means what to you when i hear or see the word father i think of a man who provides for his family a man who will work day in and day out to make sure his family needs for nothing a man who will protect his family at all costs and so much more on today's episode, we will be covering the case of Anthony Sanchez, and we are just days away from possibly another innocent bloodshed. There was a woman by the name of Jewel Jean Buskin, or her friends would call her Julie, as she was referred to and always dreamed of being a ballerina. She was attending the University of Oklahoma and was on her way to earning a bachelor's degree in dance. 
After college, Julie dreamed of opening up her own dance studio to teach children how to dance. But sadly, Julie would never make it to this dream. In the early morning hours of December the 20th, 1996, Julie had taken her friend to the airport around 4 a.m. It would be the last time anyone has ever heard or seen from Julie. And then around at about 5.30 a.m., a man that lived in the same apartment complex as Julie called 911. He said that he and his wife had been asleep when they heard a really loud, awful scream coming from the parking lot. A man was also heard saying, shut up and get into the car. Many neighbors had said that they heard this scream as well and saw a car driving out of the parking lot. Julie's parents drove from their home in Arkansas to Oklahoma to help Julie pack up her apartment. Julie had just finished all her required coursework. When they had arrived, they were told that their daughter was missing. Julie's Red Eagle Summit was also gone. So I'm guessing that's her car. Now, I will say this. So when in college, it seems that Julie was living in apartments, um, which me being a college student living in apartments is so much cheaper than living on campus in the residence halls that they provide for students. So, um, but it seems like her apartments are not just designated for students, but also designated for outside uh, people. So like grownups and stuff like that. Um, people who aren't in college. So, a lot of apartment complexes, I applaud universities that designate them for their students. But even then, sometimes they are on the expensive side. I know my university just purchased some apartments that was originally like $600 a month. And now that the university put their name on it, now they're charging um, $6,500 um, for the entire semester. And on top of that, you're sharing it's a two bedroom apartment and you're in each room you're sharing with another person. So they're putting two people in each bedroom unit. And then if you want it by yourself is extra $9,000. So I say that to say Julie seems to be living off campus and she lives in a community um, based apartments. So 12 hours after Julie disappeared, her body was found on the bank of a lake. The lake was about 15 miles from her apartment. Julie's hand had been tied with shoelaces and were tied behind her back. She had been shot in the back of the head, execution style, and sexually assaulted. The police were also able to find footprints in the red sand near the lake. There had been a strong wind, so some of the footprints were compromised. The police were able to photograph some of the shoe prints. The shoes were a size nine Nike running shoe. The Nike, um, the Nike company was able to identify the shoe as a Nike Air 2. If you are not a sneakerhead and you're like, what are they talking about? Um, Nike, I'm pretty sure everybody knows Nike is a shoe company and they... Nike has, most shoes have their, any name brand shoes, they're going to have their logo printed um, at the 
bottom at the sole of the of the shoe at the bottom of the shoe nike they have like this unique thing let me see my nike shoes are in my closet but uh, I have like some Jordan Airs and it's like lines and I want to say it's like it says Nike on the bottom of them. So basically like it left a shoe pattern. The person that did this left a shoe pattern in the dust and Nike was very um, cooperative to run the shoe and say this is a particularly Nike Air and that helps at least with the investigative uh, process to number down like okay how many people has purchased this type of shoe um compared to people wearing nikes all over and like i said y'all this is 1996 so i don't know like nike i don't know what their prices were back then but if it is now if it's like higher and it's up range depending on the shoe not a lot of people purchase nike Julie's cell phone was reported missing as well as a ring that she was always um, wearing. Julie's cell phone records were looked into. Julie had been using her phone after she had died. The killer had used the phone to call the weather forecast in a number that had been out of service. So the investigators began their search for the killer. A $70,000 reward was put out for any information concerning Julie's case. Along with the description of her car, about a month into the investigation, the police received a phone call from a man who had seen Julie's car on the night she died. He recognized the car after seeing a photo of it. The man said he had been driving near the lake when a red car, Julie's car, had cut him off. He said he was pissed about it. So he followed the car for about five miles. Now I know y'all like, what? He could have, like, this guy, he could have stopped this whole madness because um, reading what the neighbors, Julie's neighbors said, they only, they heard commotion of a screaming and they heard a man say, shut up and get in the car. Um, and the woman just screaming. So this possibly means, like, Julie was still in that car alive, just probably uh held captive like tied up or whatever so um man i'm just thinking like this dude could have saved her life if he like kept going and followed them but anyway so the man worked with the forensic artist named harvey pratt the drawing was a young hispanic male possibly college aged with long dark hair the sketch was broadcasted to all the media and news stations no one recognized the person in the photo and julie case went cold so it's sad to say that her case went cold. Um, they had no leads. They only went off the man that said he was driving and was following Julie's car for about five miles. He said um, he only the only thing he could have done was give them a sketch. And like I said, the sketch, it was a uh, he said it was a long they they sketched out long, dark hair, Hispanic. Um yeah so uh it's sad to say but the case did go cold but um the next lead came in about four and a half years after julie's murder a call came into the police from a female inmate at the oklahoma county jail she said she had seen the police sketch and thought it resembled her former acquaintance who was a man named dennis at that time of Julie's death, Dennis had worked in construction and lived about four blocks away from Julie. 
Dennis had refused to answer any questions or give DNA to the police. A court order was obtained for Dennis to give his DNA. The DNA was described as being similar to the DNA of the suspect, but it was not a match. Dennis was ruled out by suspects. And so then they started moving closer to Dennis' brother. Um, his DNA also didn't match, and so they ruled him out as well. So six years after Julie was killed, a man named Anthony Sanchez was arrested for the rape of his former girlfriend. Once he was arrested, Anthony had provided his DNA. As the police waited for the results, they spoke to former girlfriends and acquaintances of Anthony. They all spoke on different instances of how Anthony and his dad would shoot guns in their home, along with Anthony being a size nine and owning a pair of Nikes. Um, and earlier, this is significant to earlier's um, lead in the investigation when they first discovered shoe print trails um, of where Miss Julie was found, uh, there were Nike prints in the ground. And so that was significant to them that Anthony also owned a pair of those. A warrant was obtained for the home. The police weren't able to find anything when they used an x-ray machine or when they tore down the walls. However, the landlord had gone into the home after the police left to clean up. The landlord was able to find a .22 bullet. The bullet was consistent to the bullet found at the scene, and it had unique cuts to it. Now, since the landlord had discovered this, they give this to the investigators, and they now hone in on Anthony Sanchez as the suspect. They asked Anthony for his DNA, and they found that the DNA that was found on Julie's leotard is a match. And he was arrested and charged with murder. Just to give you a backstory of who Anthony is, Anthony was born November 1st, 1978. He is a member of the Choctaw, Choctaw Nation. Sorry if I miss, mess up that word. Y'all know I do. Which is the third largest Indian nation in the United States. They are excellent farmers and skilled traders. So at the time of Julie's murder, Anthony was 18 years old. He had lived about a mile away from Julie and was known as a thief. The police theory was that Anthony had been out on December the 20th stealing Christmas presents from random cars. Julie had returned home from dropping off her friend at the airport, and Anthony saw her. Julie was abducted at gunpoint and directed to drive to the lake. Anthony then sexually assaulted and killed Julie. He left behind his DNA footprints and had attempted to call one of his ex-girlfriends from Julie's phone. He had been one number off, which explains why the call had dropped in the first place. So remember when I was telling y'all earlier um, that when investigators was looking into this case, they saw that uh, the killer used um, Julie's phone to do two things, check the weather app and make a phone call. But the but the uh, call had lost his service. And this is due to the fact that he had, this is still theory from the police, but basically Anthony with air quotes had uh, been a number off of the number he was trying to call. So in 2006, Anthony was convicted of murder and sentenced to death. When Anthony was sent to prison, he often made a lot of statements, one being that he felt like it was a bad dream and that 
he just he just couldn't believe that this was happening and so attorneys for oklahoma death row prisoner anthony sanchez filled an application out for post-conviction relief citing some of the evidence listed above with the oklahoma court of criminal appeals in february the application was denied weeks later the application included a motion for discovery and a motion for an evidentiary hearing through which to present evidence of the actual innocence of mr sanchez in the document it stated that there was no evidence that petitioner sanchez and miss buskin had known each other or had even known of one another aside from the dna evidence nothing directly pointed to anthony sanchez in a wall at a former residence of the petitioner, there was a bullet with a rifling pattern like that of the bullet that killed Ms. Buskin. However, the state's experts conceded the pattern was not uncommon and in fact could be found in bullets from six different manufacturers. The state's shoe print witnesses did not claim to have determined the shoe print size as petitioner Sanchez's shoe. And then... They said they found a Nike print in the dirt and Sanchez also wore one. But on top of that, Miss Buskin car, which witnesses saw going on to and from the area where the body was found, had not been wiped clean of fingerprints. 49 fingerprints were lifted from the vehicle. No matches were made to Anthony Sanchez. And can I just say that there is a power in fingerprints. I don't know what class I took or maybe it was a summer camp, but I had learned like our fingerprints, they disclose who we are. Our fingerprints, the, those tiny little lines all in our fingers, they disclose so much. And like if none of those fingerprints out of the 49 match Anthony, then hey that would have been it for me but even more significant there were two eyewitnesses neither of whom identified mr sanchez during their testimonies um a woman named k mary mann who saw both miss buskin and the perpetrator in miss buskin's car on the way to the lake helped with sketches and described a man several years older than miss buskin david keel the man that said he uh was cut off by Julie's red car and decided to follow them five miles, but then just gave up. He also said that he did not see Mr. Sanchez in that car. Something significant that both of the eyewitnesses did was jointly look at the sketch and compare it to Thomas Glenn Sanchez, the father of Anthony to match the description. Then in December of 2022, Charlotte Beatty, a girlfriend of Glenn Sanchez reported that Glenn Sanchez confessed to being the person who committed the homicide. And I want to say this, if you haven't already, go ahead and follow the say underscore so pod um, account on Instagram because I do drop pictures on there to give you that visual of what I talk about in these podcasts. And so you will see the sketches of, um, the perpetrator side by side with Anthony Sanchez and side by side with Glenn Sanchez, Anthony's father. Um, so make sure you go look at that guys, but to continue, she said, um, 
Miss Charlotte Beatty, she said she had no direct evidence. The interview between Anthony Sanchez's attorney and Miss Beatty occurred a number of years prior to Miss Beatty's present statement. She said she first heard Glenn confess in July of 2020 and was too scared of Glenn Sanchez to discuss the matter with anyone during Glenn's lifetime. Glenn died on April 24th, 2002. Investigator David Ballard interviewed Ms. Beatty on December the 20th, 2022. Sanchez's attorney contended that there was substantial reason to suspect Anthony's father, Glenn Sanchez, was the person who killed Jewel Buskin. Now, if you're like me, you're like, why didn't his girlfriend say something before? Like, why didn't Miss Beatty say something before? Now, me, all it take is just like that one confession. I'm going to the police, but as I'm, going to, I'm, I'm asking for witness protection. Um, changing my number. Change now. It depends on Glenn Sanchez. Now, if he was dangerous as she was perceiving him to be, then I would be like, okay, I'm gonna need um my name changed as well but like I said like I don't know like I don't know what's going through her mind I'm saying what I would have did but at the same time if I was in her shoes I don't know because she could have been head over heels for him to where she didn't even want to tell on him um but then same time she said he was a dangerous man like basically like she was scared to tell anybody about this but then I think like 2020 like she could have stopped this this all while his father was still alive and poor anthony like his father's dead like for him to hear that he probably was like man i got some words to tell this guy but he can't even tell him because his dad's dead so um this was written in the petitioner's statement and it says, consequently, Mr. Sanchez's conviction and sentences should be vacated under Oklahoma law and under the 18th and 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution. So sadly, the court is looking at the sketches and other small evidence that convicts Mr. Sanchez. If all the present information had been known at trial, it would not have been reasonable to convict him. So basically the petitioner was saying what I was saying. Basically, if this came forward in 2020 when Miss Beatty and also couples go through arguments, right? And if I was Miss Beatty, I would have definitely been cultivating all that evidence. I would have been getting all that evidence against him. I would have been doing video recordings or I would have found something that can pin him to it. Maybe some shoes he wore that night. Um getting his fingerprints from like cups or spoons or forks whatever he touched like the lifetime girl in me right now is really coming out and so I would have pinned this dude down I would have pinned him down but even if not even the motive shouldn't even have been oh we got to argue the motive should be a life was taken away sadly sexually brutally because she died execution style and you should it should have touched her as a human for a minute and especially as a woman to say I need to go to the police 
this man just told me something that I just, and that's some, that's some like in my mind, I couldn't even live with. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're my blood sister. If you tell me you killed somebody, that's going to ring in my head for a good minute, forever. <laughs> that, that's going to ring in my head forever. So, so as of today, Mr. Anthony Sanchez is sitting on death row awaiting the day where he will be put to death on September the 21st, 2023. There are many advocates and organizations who are fighting for Mr. Sanchez. And so I really hope that the state, the governors hear this man's story, like really take the time to sit down and be like, this guy wasn't him. Like the evidence is there um yeah and i wonder how miss Beatty feel his girlfriend um glenn sanchez girlfriend i wonder how she feel like should i have said some earlier like i don't know but um who had the final say so is the question at the end of the day i don't know i don't know who had the final say so because this man there's still hope there's still hope for him to get out because there are still uh there are a lot of news um uh, letters coming out um news is still going on investigations are still going on um the his attorneys aren't giving up on him they're still fighting um I don't know if he's under the innocence project but that organization is amazing y'all heard me talk about them from time to time and get some of my research from their site the innocence project they should definitely get on his case um different like I don't know it's just heartbreaking to know like he's been he's been behind bars for a minute and to know the killer was somebody dear and close to him so this concludes the story of Anthony Sanchez. Um wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. His execution date is September the 21st, 2023. It was set for him earlier this year or late sometime last year. Um prayers and hopes. Prayers and hopes to go out to him. Um, so yeah, y'all make sure y'all let me know who y'all think at the final say so. I don't have an answer. Like I said, make sure y'all follow Instagram at say underscore so pod. Um, I'm trying to get me all set up. I ordered some things for me to get set up for YouTube for me to, for y'all to see my face. We can do this thing for real. So y'all can see my facial expressions when I be reading some of this stuff. Like, child. But yeah, y'all. Thank y'all for listening. See y'all next episode. Bye, guys.